0: simply did not have internal resources to do something like that. And so one other thing that that I feel is really important about the partnership with Evolve is that they're a local organization that understands the needs of the city.
1: Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in.
2: Hi, I'm John Fiella, and welcome back to Smart Energy Voices. If you haven't had the chance to do so as of yet, We'd really appreciate it if you'd take a minute and leave us a five-star review on your preferred podcast player. Today, we're sharing a panel conversation from our recent Innovation Summit, which was moderated by our Director of Research and Content, Deborah Channel. This highlights the very innovative and interesting public and private partnership between the City of Houston and Evolve Houston. The panel features Gary Glasscock, Director of Fleet Management for the City of Houston, and Ryan Martin, Interim President and Managing Partner at Evolve Houston. The conversation gives us great insight into this innovative example of successful public-private partnerships promoting vehicle fleet electrification. We know you'll enjoy it.
3: Governments are much more likely to own and operate their own fleets than commercial and industrial, which makes sense. They've got city buses and all of that. So it made a lot of sense. So we wanted to dig in a little bit on what the issues were for cities. And as we're in Houston, uh, we have a great opportunity. There's a program that City of Houston is doing with Evolve Houston. And it's a great example of a public-private partnership. So we want to talk about that as well. So let's get started. I'd like to um, introduce Director Gary Glasscock of City of Houston. Just give us a quick overview of what your many jobs are.
0: Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Gary Glasscock, Director of Fleet Management Department here at the City of Houston. The City of Houston operates a fleet of more than 13,000 vehicles and pieces of equipment. Everything that you would imagine a municipality needs, administrative sedans, police patrol cars, fire trucks, refuge trucks, all our public works, uh, heavy-duty vehicles. So it's quite a job keeping uh, all of our client departments happy. We're involved with all the life cycle activities of the fleet except operation. So we work with each of our client departments to spec out vehicles that fit their daily needs, And we will take care of, help them take care of the procurement and all the asset management activities while they handle all the operations and are quick to provide us with any complaints that they have about the vehicles. So that's kind of what we do in a nutshell. Our EV program is actually just one facet of the things we do. We supply the fuel to more than 67 locations here within the city to take care of our fleet needs. Mm And then we operate, I believe we're at 27 garages throughout the fleet as well to handle all the uh, specific needs of our essential service departments.
3: Thank you. And Ryan Martin, interim president and managing partner at Evolve Houston.
4: Hello, everyone. Good morning. I'm the interim president of Evolve Houston. As Deborah mentioned, it's a public-private partnership that uh, was created as a product of the climate action plan for the city of Houston. And what we really aim to do is is be a convener between the public sector, the private sector, and the general public around the benefits of EVs, the scientific fact behind EVs, and and also serve as a facilitator and an amplifier. And uh, we've been really proud of the work that we've been able to do in support of the city of Houston on EVs.
3: So about that climate action plan, it's pretty robust, some very aggressive goals in there. Talk a little bit about what that means for you and your
4: department. So back in
0: uh, April of believe it was 2020, it actually predates me here at the city. The city adopted the climate action plan and it's a strategy to reduce greenhouse emissions to allow us to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. Big thing in the plan for the fleet management group is a target of converting all the non-emergency light duty vehicles to EV by 2030. And that's approximately 4,000 vehicles. And then in addition to that, look for any alternatives that we can implement that will reduce emissions for our emergency and heavy duty vehicles as well.
3: talk about some of the pain points. You mentioned the number of different departments that you're working with, which I'm thinking is like herding cats to get them all in line with what needs to be done. How is that working out for you?
0: Well, we've managed to make some some strides, but it it has been quite a chore. As you might imagine, city departments are focused on their particular function and are risk-averse when it comes to the equipment they need to provide those functions. So we have to go in and make the case for the EVs, try to find applications where EVs can work within their operation, and it's not always so easy. So you add to the fact that EVs, there's a cost premium associated with it compared to conventional vehicles. And again, the department's focus is on providing the max services possible. So they look at it as, well, if we go to EV, we're going to have to cut down on the vehicles that we need to operate our service. So we have to have those conversations and try to make the total cost of operation case to convince them to go EV, to even consider it. A number of situations that we're dealing with. Vehicle availability is something that we have to talk to them about. And then as we were going through this uh, recent fiscal year, we had a uh, recall of the vehicles, the EVs we currently operate. So that presented some risk as well and some caution on the side of the department that we had to work through. in short, it's been a, it's been quite a challenge, but I will say that we've managed to to change some opinions and we we've made some inroads.
3: to the point on the uh, survey that we did, I think two of the top three barriers to EV adoption one was I guess range anxiety, but also vehicle anxiety is the vehicle that I need for the function that I need going to be available. So that's certainly something that your departments are dealing with. Ryan, let me bring you in on this. One of the solutions that came about was this partnership with EV Houston to try to get the program up and running. So um, tell me how it started, how your work with the city started.
4: And as Director Glasscock very correctly said, I mean, there's so many complexities and and so much considerations. Typically, you're looking at Fleet vehicles. I mean, that's you're fueling. Then you have your vehicles. But now, you know, the fueling is electricity. That brings in a whole le- another layer of complexity. Then the market evolutions. The vehicles aren't available. Charging station infrastructure is is kind of still an emerging market. And but at the same time, like the climate needs, the environmental needs are, are very are very immediate. And so, essentially, like the city of Houston in their climate action plan determined that. Because EVs were this complex, a public-private partnership would be very beneficial to the region to support this environmental policy goal. And so the public and private sector responded. There was a passionate team of people who wanted to take on that charge, and the market responded. So I think it was uh, City of Houston, joined by academia from University of Houston, retail energy providers from NRG Energy, energy companies like Shell, and then the transmission line utility for the region, Centerpoint, all came together and said, you know, we want to collectively tackle this problem in support of the city's climate action plan. And, and as a product of that, Evolve Houston was born as a, as a public-private partnership, public charity focused on advancing clean air and, and climate change initiatives through the means of electrified transportation. That's led to our collaborations with the city and our kind of education of the consumer market and a lot of other things as well, including the fleet studies. And so.
3: Let's talk about that fleet study. Tell me what that involved. How did that come about?
4: So evolve Houston, you know, we we started a fleet study program under the premise that given the layer of complexities, given the dynamic factors involving, you know, city departments or or corporate departments of fleets, we could really support the market in the Houston region by by funding a fleet study program that would that would really be a conversation starter. Yeah, as Director Glasscock mentioned, that there's a lot of complexities that that go into the discussion and considerations across departments and we thought a baseline starting place would be just to study the vehicles and the light duty vehicles and and, and kind of take it from there, or, or let you know organizations take it from there. And so, the city of Houston, we studied I think about fifty three hundred seventy five or so um, light duty vehicles. So the study the study that we do involves a three year kind of look forward on. Vehicles that are available and internet-connected charging station infrastructure that's going to be available and set. So that's kind of the the market set. And then we look at the specific fleets and look at the vehicle identifiers, the specific needs of the fleet, the cost of the fleet, both on the fueling side and the vehicle acquisition and kind of amortization side. And and basically arrive at two conclusions. Of a light-duty fleet set, how many vehicles are, are technically available to, to be converted to electric vehicles. And I think in Houston, it was around like 4,000 or so of the 5,300. And then considering more importantly, considering total cost of ownership, how many of the electric vehicles are economically feasible? Meaning that given the total cost of ownership, considering you know fuel costs versus electricity costs and the, whole, the vehicle obviously sticker price and financing costs, how many of those are at the same or lower cost than the internal combustible engine equivalents? And so we found that to be about 25%. Houston, roughly over a 1,000 vehicles that, based off of the vehicles and charging station infrastructure available today, this is how the government could, could really capture those benefits. And I think resulted in about $6.9 million in pro forma economic savings and about 13,500 metric tons of CO2 emissions reduction. And, and so then the, that, that's a good conversation starter. And then, and then there's a 100-mile journey between that and electrification, and, and, and that's what we're talking about. But, but you know, it, really, it went really well. Of all Houston works with a, a data science team, EIQ Mobility, that really deeply studies this stuff and is one of the market leaders for this type of study. And we're glad to be able to, to kind of birth and pioneer that in Houston.
3: So now this study is done, and tell me how that helped. One of the things having that we talked about, having third party verification of what the issues were and what some of the solutions were, helped you with herding those cats.
0: Absolutely. When we could bring in the uh, think tank that Ryan mentioned to affirm the points we were trying to make, it certainly helped out. And then as I mentioned earlier, our EV program is just one function of what we do. And so Evolve provided resources that we did not have internally to really take the deep dive and look at our fleet in the detail that we just simply did not have internal resources to do something like that. And so one other thing that that I feel is really important about the partnership with Evolve is that they're a local organization that understands the needs of the city. One of the big things that we're looking at with our EV program is resilience. This area went through Harvey, the recent winter storm, And so we have to ensure that whatever we do with EVs, we are able to sustain our essential city services, and EVOLVE has been a big part of that, understanding what the local needs are.
3: So all of this work led to the purchase of 97 vehicles, so tell us about that. And These were non-emergency vehicles throughout the city's departments.
0: Right. So our city council recently approved the purchase of 97 EVs that goes on top of our 40 existing EVs. What we're looking to accomplish with this is set up pilot programs in our bigger departments. And what we want to do is collect data on the operation of these uh, pilot vehicles and then use that data to make a plan going forward on how to best and most efficiently and effectively implement a much wider scale EV program. These pilot programs are also going to go a long way in helping to ease the fears within the departments. They'll be able to see firsthand how these vehicles can be operated in their specific applications. We feel pretty confident that's going to help us get more motivation from within the departments behind our program.
3: And just to give them an idea, I'm studied the press release of this, and the departments ranged from police, fire, sanitation. I think there were a list of about 20 different departments that were going to benefit from these. Yeah, details.
0: absolutely. And, and the key was what we called the big three. We wanted to get the police department, fire department, and our solid waste departments on board because we felt strongly that if we can make EVs work in those particular departments, we can make them work in all the others, such as our library department, and some of our other administrative departments and functions. The police and and fire is a pretty tough group to sell, but I will say that they have been cooperative and are willing to implement these programs, and we feel strongly that they're going to work out well.
3: Thank you. So going back to this public-private partnership, I want to talk a little bit about Evolve Houston's role, and it's not just the EV implementation. There's a consumer side, charging infrastructure running the whole gamut there. So talk a little bit about Evolve Houston's role as a facilitator.
4: Yeah, bringing people together, we do it in a lot of ways. On the the consumer side, we started the electric vehicle installation at the Houston Auto Show. So we've been going there a couple of years and and, and bringing electric vehicles. I mean, just take a step back. I mean, electric cars are cool. They're fun. I mean, they're controversial in some ways, I guess, but a lot of people really enjoy them. And so one of the best ways to really make that point is to essentially engage the public with the cars directly. And so the auto shows one way that we do that. Another way is through ride-and-drives. And we do them you know, downtown, all throughout the city, where we basically will partner with either OEMs or, or local dealer associations and basically facilitate a you know, ride-and-drive, which I guess is sim- very similar to a test drive, except there's no hard sell at the end. So we call it a ride-and-drive. So that's, that's one of the ways we publish academic studies. We speak on panels, webinars, do a lot of kind of the academic stuff on the consumer side. And then in addition, we really... We really try to study um, the region to determine what is the most viable path to curb some of the, the range anxiety that we know is very is very present. So, we recently published our regional infrastructure strategy for electrification project RISE, where we looked at essentially all the, the publicly available charging in the in the Houston region, and then juxtaposed that against you know current demand, which is growing, and future demand. And for some context. I think right now our statistics show that about 0.25% of cars, at least looking back three years into the past, are electric vehicles in the market. And the current new car sales percentage typically hovers about two to 3% month to month. So 0.25 aggregate, two to 3% annually. And our goal is 50% new vehicle sales to be electric by 2030, which means that, you know, there's a lot of excitement in the market. There's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of. All the new vehicles coming out and, and stuff that you hear about, the Silverados, the F150 lightning, but but those cars aren't here yet. And then of the cars that are here, there's a, there's a supply constraint, which ultimately means that like the excitement is far above the current specific adoption today. We expect like a basically like a hockey stick growth of adoption as we get closer to 2030. I mean that that's what the market predicts. And so when we look at the Houston region, there's about six point seven million dollars that's been put into charging station infrastructure that's publicly available. There's about a thousand charging ports. And, and that is dwarfed by the the trending demands. And so you know our studies will indicate that about I think it's about six hundred thirty three million is additional investment is needed. That means that we need to be educating and and really talking to people about like the federal money that's that's coming down for this stuff and how you know organizations can best prepare for that at a purely informative standpoint. That means that we got to do more work to bring together the private sector and the public sector to facilitate these investments. And ultimately, you know, charging stations are going to become essentially like a utility, like a gas station, where they should be generally available. Charging times will be reduced. I mean, the technology is rapidly advancing. I'm saying a lot. The technology is rapidly advancing, and we really try to get ahead of it by producing these studies that start conversations. So, you know, this one is about charging station infrastructure, Project RISE
3: as the name implies, Evolve Houston, is only in Houston. You're not working in other cities. Correct. Are other cities, anybody out there doing what you're doing?
4: Yeah, in different ways. But, you know, we always do it the Texas way, and that's that's unique. So there's an equivalent organization in Los Angeles. Well, there's an overall organization called the the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator. They have, like, a a working group within that called the the Transportation Electrification Partnership, and so it's a similar model, but if you look in, in states like California, you know, you have state mandates, you have a lot of state funding, you, you have a lot of kind of top-down, you know, furtherance of the market that not saying it's neither good nor bad, it's just very different than than Texas. And so in Texas, it's more grassroots from a market perspective. So there's like the economic case or the feasibility case, or the fact that EVs will bring, you know, a lot of new jobs and new technologies and new economic development to the region. And that's that's more of a relevant conversation that drives it from the partnership aspect of business and government and public and consumers as opposed to kind of the top-down sentiment. And so they're similar organizations, but I think given how kind of in-depth the subject matter is to, to a lot of aspects of life, you really have to take a local approach. And that, that's why we stay grounded in Houston. There's a lot of work to be done.
3: Gary, I want to go back to you a little bit about your some of your past experience, Houston Metro, Via Metro in San Antonio. And you were really behind some of the early adoption of EV buses. And the note I have here, it says, not your first rodeo. I
0: got a chance to use that in Texas. Yay. No, no, it's not. uh, I've been with the city about a year now. Prior to that, I'm actually from San Antonio and spent almost 36 years working at the uh, transit agency there in San Antonio. I want to say almost 10 years ago, we received a federal grant to purchase what was the second deployment of electric, fully electric buses. So we were essentially at the bleeding edge of technology. And one of the things that's key to point out is this delivery of buses was capable of doing, on a, on a good day, 30 miles between charges. Those same buses, 10 years, and those same buses are now capable of almost 300 miles between charges. And so quite a rapid development. This is one of the things that, that we're looking at. How much do we invest in current infrastructure, knowing that the advancement rate is very steep, and will this infrastructure be obsolete near-term? And so so those are some of the risks that we're evaluating now as we look at deploying the city fleet here in uh, Houston.
3: So Ryan Martin at Evolve Houston, Director of Larry Gascock, City of Houston. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
2: Deborah, Gary, and Ryan, thanks for providing a great conversation on this important topic of vehicle fleet electrification. I'd also like to thank you, our community of listeners, for tuning into the podcast and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you've enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. To learn more about how you can become a part of the next Smart Energy Decisions event, Just click on the link in the show notes for details. We're honored to have the opportunity to share conversations with leaders of the energy transition in this podcast, on our website, and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions.
1: Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.